Welcome back. This is War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Clarm with Brushwork Minis. And War Council is a hobby-centric podcast for miniature enthusiasts. This is episode 31. It is July 6th, 2016. And today's episode is going to be about criticism and speed versus quality, i.e. speed painting, batch painting, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this is our second time recording this episode. Oh, because yep. the first time I... Uh, <laughs> I got too relaxed and I forgot to hit record. <laughs> so if we sound chagrined at the beginning of this, it's because we just recorded for 40 minutes into air. Um, the only thing I can think of is that um, I wasn't paying close enough attention. Because, uh, well, it happens. Yeah, I guess so. It's funny how technology works that way. Because I'm getting readings across the board, mm-hmm. but I just I just didn't. T- I looked over and I was like, hey, there's no time code. That's a- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's okay. Um... So we're going to jump back into the show. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the first time you guys have heard it. It's the second time we've done it. So we should be 100% better this time. I, I yes, I, I agree, so. yeah. Uh, all right. So um, first thing we're going to talk about today is, um, well, first thing we're going to do is welcome Jonathan to the show. We didn't have a guest for today. So we asked Jonathan, uh, one of our resident painters and kind of my uh, resident assistant to help out today on the show. Jonathan, welcome to War Council. Hello, everyone. Um, Jonathan has been, we've talked about him on the show briefly. He's been kind of a mentor slash apprentice here in the studio uh, for about uh, three or four months now. Um, So um, he's been learning from us, and he just got his first commission the other day. We're going to talk about that on on the painting desk. Uh, So first off, let's talk about your guys' move. Big move this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, So um, your lease is up, and uh, it was time for a change. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys found a place very local, very convenient to where we are now. Um, so it's actually kind of great for everybody. It'll be you guys plus Val. Mm-hmm. So three painters all living in a house. Plus a garage space for you. Plus so, a garage yep. space for me. Yeah. So, so you guys think it's going to be like nonstop 40K all the time, or it's going to be playing game, 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 or you think it's going to be more like... <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no, we'll probably, uh, like I said in the previous one, yeah. um, it'll probably be a lot of our socializing will be while we're working on painting. Sure. And it'll be swapping techniques and shortcuts that we've all picked up throughout the years. Mainly me learning from Val and Phil and... Yeah. You know them commenting on my work. <laughs> well, and I think that kind of constructive feedback is great, and yes. that's part of one of the things we're going to talk about today on the show is like how that constructive criticism is helpful and how it can help you out as a painter and learn that kind of thing. Uh, what are you guys? Um, are you guys all packed up and ready to go? Not even close. I haven't even started packing. Yet. <laughs> so, I've got everything organized. I, at least we've got. It's like three days away or something. Well, most of yeah, it's really just putting stuff in boxes at this point. But it's just a room, sure. so it's not like I'm moving a house. That's true. Um, so, yeah, everything's organized for the most part. I just got to pack up the last of it, and then... Uh, nice. Then I'm, I'm pretty much packed. I just, yeah, you've uh, been ready for, like, weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had everything ready. I was so excited. Although, it still didn't stop him from taking off from work tomorrow to do his final preparation. Oh, yeah. He's like, I can't come in tomorrow. He's like, why? He's like, ah, I got to get ready. Like, Man, you've been getting ready for, like, a month. Like, I don't know. You're just packing up. Like, I asked him what his furniture was, and he was like, it's a bed, a dresser, and something. Like, and I was like, that's, that's it. That's the whole... That's, that's the well, whole it's thing. more than Val. Val doesn't really... Val's <laughs> <He laughs> getting his furniture when he gets down. He messaged me, and I was like, uh, hey, do you mind starting... Like, Monday, I've got projects lined up. Can you start Monday? He's like, if I can get a bed. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I told him, I was like, well, check out Big Lots. They've got pretty good deals on beds. <laughs> yeah. So you guys going to be, like, furniture shopping? Are you going to do the curbside shopping, or are you guys going to actually go somewhere and buy them? So I actually have a friend who's, who does thrifting oh, okay. for, for giggles, and for he's going to help us out with uh, nice. doing Version. that thrift. Yep. Yeah. So cool. Nice. Well, um, I'm super excited about having a space to expand to. Um, I've been wanting to – we've needed more room, and um, even just now I staged about half of the garage in the front room, 
and the garage feels so much more open. It looks great. Yeah, yeah it's a lot more size. I'm very excited about moving the podcasting equipment down to the studio. I've even thought about like insulating the walls a little bit for sound. And the, okay. the, 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 it looks great, but moving all that stuff was that was entertaining. Yeah, you, oh, <laughs> you were compensated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, moving the, the podcasting equipment down, we did get our first review the other day on iTunes. Um, the review was great. It was nice. It was positive. The guy Ooh. really liked what we're doing. And I wanted to sort of briefly comment on the, the value of reviews. Um, certainly, you don't have to leave reviews. You can just enjoy the show. But the reviews do help us with tracking on the show. They allow us to show up in the higher in the results, the search categories. If we want to you know, be up there with the big podcasts like you know, Signals from the Frontline and um, Long War and that kind of stuff, your reviews are really helpful. Mm -hmm. So be sure to go to iTunes, look for War Council, leave us a review. Even if it's negative, that, that sort of constructive... Well, maybe not negative, but if constructive. constructive yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, places like Frontline are always getting criticism. Oh, yeah. Like, and usually it's constructive, but I mean, they've been doing it for years. And yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is once you put your art out there, it's going to be, you're going to get criticism. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's definitely. going to, and certainly a lot of it's going to be negative. Um, I, I kind of wonder to myself sometimes if some of the criticism we get that is negative is simply because my wife likes to call it jealousy criticism. Like, they can't do that. Like, they hate us because they hate us. <laughs> kind of like, well, they can't paint that way or they can't build something that way, so they they lash out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think there's some truth to that, actually. Yeah, but, definitely. You yeah. see it. Uh, uh, well, I have a great example when we get to that. Yeah. You cool. point that out. Um, great. Uh, all right. Out. So be sure to leave us some reviews or reach out to us with comments. You can message us at warcouncil at whitemountaingames.com. Um we're going to talk briefly about the charity raffle project. It now has a name. It's called Pain Over Hate. Um, and that is going to be organized. Um, we've been organizing it with um, Titan Terrain Studio with Matt. Um, but we've struggled to find an organization to help us run it. Because effectively a charity is just a, kind of like gambling. Is mm -hmm. what they, they equate mm -hmm. yeah. it to. Because um, it is in a way. So one of the challenges with the charity raffle army is finding someone to sponsor the event. So we found this group up north called Nova Open Foundation. Which um, they're kind of in your backyard, aren't they, Philip? Yeah, yeah, they're right across the town, basically. Yeah. Nice. So. so the Nova Open is, is kind of on the East Coast. It's sort of the, I guess, one of the biggest events. I'd say the biggest, yeah. yeah. At least East Coast, easily. Yeah. So um, they have a they have a charity organization set up to do just this kind of thing, um, and because of that, we um, we we're, we're partnering with them. Ideally, we're going to have a conference call on Thursday to talk logistics, but I think that'll work out. And the army's shaping up. It looks like it's going to be a, about a 4,000-point Red Scorpion army. Wow. So a big army, plenty yeah. of points, and um, with this many people working on it, it should be should be great. I'm yeah. excited about it. And it's not just our studio, right? It's, uh, no, it's us, Titan Terrain Studio. Um, Blue Table's contributing some stuff to it. Um, a couple different painters are just contributing models. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, last time I checked, it was something like, Hundred Marines, tons of assault Marines, lots of tanks. Like, yeah, we're gonna need help with that. <laughs> yeah, we're contributing. Um, I think two or three squads. I think two dreadnoughts and a command squad. That's uh, which have already been purchased. We just haven't. We just haven't done them yet. Yeah, so, um, uh, what the what's the color scheme of red scorpions? Red scorpions. It's kind of it's kind of a gray. Red. Yeah, it's kind of a it's it's a gray base with gold or tan gold accents, not metallic gold, but right. off gold gold, like true gold, I guess. Um, and then it's got some red accents. Like the scorpions are in red. Okay. So, and I think they're against a white background. It's pretty popular, but I don't see it that often. So it's it, just... I think they originated with Forge World. I think they're the oh, daddies okay. of that one. Yeah. Gotcha. They had a whole supplement for them. Did but um, mm -hmm. it was like Siege of Rax. I think the red scorpions were introduced in those supplements. Gotcha. Um, so they became popular there. Um, 
So um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to jump into On the Painting Desk, and we'll talk about all the things we've been working on recently, and we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, Pop here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Roma Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Table Warp Fat Mat series. Our fat mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. This, uh, this segment of the show is sponsored by Frontline Gaming, your source for all things fat mat and fat mat related. Um, uh, Pablo over Frontline Games, he's kind of our official kind of correspondent over there, and um, we're supposed to check in with him once a month about how things are going. One of the most popular things we've had with, since partnering with Frontline regarding the Fat Maps and joining the Outrider program is um, with our larger projects, we started offering Fat Maps as a bonus item. So normally for projects over like a certain amount of money, like over, let's say, um, I don't know, $1,000, hmm. um, clients will, will qualify for some sort of bonus item. Usually it's terrain. But we started offering the mats. Um, so the 3x3 three three mat starts at around $1,250. Uh, if you spend $1,250, $1, you get a 3x3 three three mat. And I've allowed upgrading to the bigger mats. So more of our clients are connecting with those mats through Frontline inadvertently through us. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, he requested the Barren Wasteland mat, and he requested his basing to match. So it's cool. It's really a neat opportunity to see how you're not just getting one thing done, you're getting everything done. That's yeah, definitely a good way to... Yeah. You get the play. army, you get the mat, you can get terrain through us now. We have a terrain service <coughs> that's going to be upcoming. The only thing we can't provide is a friend with another army. That's true. <laughs> that's you got to find that on your own. You are responsible for, for your, your own, own friends. Friends. <laughs> so, I did briefly have this idea the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's a terrible idea, uh, to do a rental army service. Like if you were lived like locally, like oh, if we were if we yeah. were to have like if go to a convention, people needed like to try a different army. We'll have two or three armies on hand. You can rent them for like you know, a game, like four hours at I, a time. Well, that could so. work if we had visual. Of the person. It would be dangerous. Or they need to put a deposit down. Yeah, Something that's, that's I think yeah. the answer. Yeah. Is yeah, like yeah. you go to a convention, you put down a deposit. Maybe let's say the deposit is. Mm, it'd have to be a lot, yeah, frankly. Like, yeah. Because what's to prevent them from walking out with a $3,000 yeah, arm? For 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So it'd have to be sizable. It'd have to be something like we'd have to hold their credit card physically or we'd have to pre authorize it for mm -hmm. like, Or maybe like hold your car keys. Yeah, or something like that. Yes. But, um, but yeah, but I, I thought that would be kind of a fun idea. Uh, I doubt we'll get that running by <coughs> Nova, but it'd be cool if we could. Maybe I always thought that'd be cool for like a business to have like because there's a lot of game stores that have you know nice or like basic tables but very generic terrain. Mm -hmm. It'd be cool to be able to like rent out good tables with high quality terrain and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, there'd be something that I, think I know. Maybe, maybe we cool. could do something kind of like where um, um, what do they call that? Guys up north that I don't like so much. Mini wargaming. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we could do something like what they do, where when we get the studio set up, we can invite people in for games and yeah. like do Definitely. like yeah. bat reps with them, um, where we could host it and record. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. that'd be kind of cool, right? That would be fun. So now that it's a good idea, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to think yeah, about yeah, how to go. That's the worst part. Well, with that uh, table you want me to do. Oh, that's true. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that real quick. Um, so. Um, Jonathan is kind of a resident engineer, um, so the idea was to do a couple of gaming tables so that um, we would have a, a good place to play. Now yep. that we're going to have a, a bigger studio space, yep. Um, and you're going to design a custom table with an HUD. Uh, yep. A so 
Well, it's, it's more of a... Uh, it's more of a coaster, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, it's like, I was like, can you put up, have a place for, like, drinks and stuff? And he's like, yeah, it'll be like a, a hut. It'll be like, have, like, uh, places to s'more. Or, and I was like, or, or just a drink holder. Yeah, everyone knows you gotta have a drink cold at your table. Trough and <laughs> he was like, "What about a point system?" And I was like, "Like an abacus," and he's like, "What abacus?" So, so <laughs> like when, an abacus. We, when we first started talking that Still idea, I saw the. Right. Uh, I was thinking a foosball table. Yeah, uh, sure. something with a point counter and. Uh, do they have a point counter on a foosball table? Yes, they do. That has that shows you how little I play foosball. Mm. So, <laughs> I'm not a foosball guy. Yeah, just a spot where you can put your books, a sides bar for dice rolling or setting all your minis, because I know minis get everywhere yeah. when you play. That's the problem, right? Is if yeah. you put minis on a table and you don't have a lip, you basically you have to set up your minis on the table and then off the table, then on the table. Yeah, and it's like, it just ugh. gets everywhere. And it takes up time. Definitely. Um, so, at the very least, having a little staging area is useful. But I also, I do, I will say this, I like the way that when people have a small card table nearby that they can hold their minis at, that's useful pretty much. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll dream that way. We'll the space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started to map out the space at Studio B the other day on paper, and then I stopped. Because it's, it's hard. It's just, hard. Yeah. It looks you, bigger than you think it is, or sometimes smaller than you think yeah, it is. Right. And they had this really cool design app on your on the website where they were like, you could drag like furniture into the room. And I, I, I estimated that it's the size of six queen beds. That's the best I could figure out. That if you line three queen beds end to end, side by side, or two two deep, yeah, three long, right, that's the size of the space. Apparently, that's about fair because yeah, that's, that's how big the um, the beds are on their design app. Okay. So you know, <laughs> you just that's how you design. You just stuck a bunch of beds. I did. How many beds can I get? Not that I'm running like a brothel, but <laughs> yeah. I was like, how many beds can I get in here? This is how we do uh, <laughs> right. tables here. You so know. <laughs> anyway, so Jonathan's going to be designing a table for us, and um, hopefully, when we get two of those, we'll be able to play apocalypse games. Oh yeah. So we'll be able to push them together and play big, big games. We'll just need to get armies. Yeah, I have yeah. been considering. Uh, one of the problems I am running into right now is that. I want to create studio armies, but I'm challenged by the fact that there's no time. Right. Um, you know, effectively, like we're all painting full time these days. Definitely. So when do you when do you make that time? And the only way to make that possible is to take off a few weeks and do it. Yeah. Which I can't physically, I can't financially afford right now. I have to paint as well as be the administrator of the business. So it's a challenge, and I haven't answered that challenge yet. But um, when I do have an answer, I'll let you. Uh, I think the answer is um, more projects and more painters, and then I can do more administrative work. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's talk about what we've been painting on this week. I'm going to let Jonathan kick this off because this is his first time with us. All right. So um, other than the Helios Guard and the um, Silver Tower stuff, we've been kind of working on and off on. Yeah, and that's been kind of like you've been kind of apprenticing with me a little bit. So yeah. I've been kind of showing you the way that I think things should be painted. Both in terms of a, you know an economy of painting and speed and the white metal game style and the white metal game style, just like how do you? We've talked about that a lot with like Awaken Realms, Dead of mm-hmm. Imagination. Yeah. Anyone paints for them, it always looks like one yeah. guy paints. You can everything. easily recognize what's it's a brand, from. yeah, right. right. So that's what I want to develop. That's what I want to spend not this year, but next year focusing on. Is I want to focus on branding, like so that that way anyone who comes to work with us will, you know, like in the early days of Blue Table, they had. Their style was like, what do they call it? They called it um, glazing, is what they called it. It wasn't technically glazing, but um, all of their models looked the same. They looked washed down. They looked, and that was what they were known for. Yeah. That was the aesthetic they had. Now they've changed, and their aesthetic is more dry brush heavy. 
Um, and I think that they call it forced highlights or, or dragged highlights or something like that. Mm, anything to get rid that's of the dry brush name. <laughs> right. Yeah. That sounds like a fancy term for dry yeah, brush. It does. It is. But, you know, like Awakened Realms, for example, when I look at their work, I see a lot of, like, high and low contrast. A lot of contrast. A lot of contrast. Like, that's their big Spotlighting, thing. Spotlighting, yeah. Spotlighting, yeah. airbrushing is their, their cream mm-hmm. of their bread and butter. And you easily recognize their work. Whereas when I think of Den of Imagination... Uh, not as high contrast, more attention to detail, more line work usually, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of custom sculpts. The most do. important thing being yeah. they know that they expect a certain quality and they know they're going to get it right from that studio. And so right. that's obviously what we had to do here. So. Yeah, and part of that is too is that like in the past year it was just me and you, and now there's four of us, mm-hmm. so we've doubled our ranks. And so because of that, we have to we have to get on the same page in terms of basing painting. Mm-hmm. Like, here's how we define levels. Here's how we define basing. Here's how we edge basing. Here's how we define this, define that. So that when people look at the site, we're not four artists working independently. We're four artists working together. Right. And at that point, hopefully, we're six artists working together or whatever. So so that's what next year will be about. Yep. Uh, um, anyway, I cut you off there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my first commission was his Druid and his Companions and his Shapeshifts. Um, I didn't like the models personally. Some of them, they were very low detail, and I'm not a big fan of low detail models, but I did enjoy painting them. So let's, were... let's slow down for a minute, because people don't necessarily know exactly what we're talking about. So it's an RPG commission. Yes. It's a role-playing game figure. These were from the Reaper range, and specifically it was a mix of bones and their pewter figures. Right. So you were painting up a couple of RPG figures, plus one of the figures was a druid. Yep. They summon a bunch of animals. Yep. So the guy asked for all of his animal companions. Yes. First off, I think it's a cool commission. Oh, don't get me wrong. I didn't think the commission was yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I don't think you did. Right. Um, but I think that what you're, you're sort of pointing out is that the detail level between the pewter figures and the non-pewter figures is pretty big, yeah? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's huge. Um, uh, so budget-friendly, but not detail-friendly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think... It was a good learning experience that project, and yeah. I did enjoy doing it. Um, you had to bang it. You had to bang it out pretty fast too. Yeah, these guys have like cool. an event coming up, and it had to ship on July fifth. Had to do that on top of normal work. It was fun, um, sure. and in the middle of the move, definitely. So that's been one thing that's been challenging. I'm sure you've experienced this a lot. Is that balancing your move with your work? Has been, mm-hmm. has been difficult. Plus, this time of year, people are taking vacations, they're traveling. July 4th yeah. just came, you went up north for that. Yeah. So yes. balancing our <laughs> workloads is hard. People don't think about this, but they get paid vacay days. We don't. Mm-hmm. When we take a day off, we don't get paid. Right. We, so we have to, like, take budget, budget our budget, time yeah. Yeah, and budget our money, so yep. to speak. Uh, we didn't even talk about July 4th during our intro. No, we mentioned no that. wow. Happy right. belated birthday, America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is my birthday today. And happy birthday. Yes. Yes. Uh, happy birthday. We'll have to do that every five minutes, though. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, that's an idea, but it sounds a little superfluous now. Uh, it, you know, growing up, it was funny. Um, my birthday always came around, it, because it's always around July 4th. My parents would do the combo birthday. Like, they would celebrate my birthday on the 4th. And they'd kind of bang on both out at one time, huh. um, which was okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean hey, they do something small. I wish I got a fireworks display for every That's birthday. Fair. <laughs> um, although my wife, her birthday is close to Christmas, and so we have to differ. I, I make it a big deal to differentiate. Yeah, so it's important, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you did the, the RPG commission. The clients were satisfied. Very satisfied. You got your first taste of constructive criticism from someone that wasn't me. Right. Um, <laughs> and the constructive criticism was, was pretty minimal, and it was useful, and definitely responded well to it. Uh, it was it was easy to fix. Um, I think the I think the client uh, the the Aztec warrior that I did for that same project, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I kind of hiccuped on the shield. It was a small, just some paint spilled oh, over. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, fixed that in like two seconds. We One done. of the things I've learned is that the camera will pick up details you, you get blind to when you paint. Mm-hmm. Like you'll watch, you know, you'll paint a figure and you'll you'll just get 
white noise to it. You just can't see the detail anymore. I think what it is is that um, as we, our minds, mm-hmm. kind of with typing a paper, yeah. what we'll do is we'll, we'll zoom, like when we're typing, we're staring at it for hours and hours sure. on end. We start to zero out certain details or certain details start blending together and we can miss script, like grammar errors or in this case, things that get painted over. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yep. So that was that. Uh, the other client with the, all the druid and stuff, he absolutely loved the raptor I did and the druids. Thought mm-hmm. they were great. Yeah. The overall, it was a good, uh, it was a fun project and the client liked it. So, hey, I'm happy. I think what's important to take from this is that every client is different and they like different things. Right. And that we aren't always going to love everything we paint, but we have to find we have to find, in my opinion, kind of what the client loves exactly. and sort of grasp onto that. Because a lot of times clients will be picky. They'll be like, I like this, I don't like this. And if a client came to us tomorrow and said, hey, I want to do an army. Like, I got a request this one time. They wanted all <coughs> They wanted to be unicorn, space marine army. And it was a joke um, <laughs> the, because they wanted to do it, but when I gave them the quote, it wasn't a joke because it was actually a really expensive project yeah. to get all those horses. And they thought it was like, they were probably drunk when they came up with the idea and they're like oh this will be funny let's let's ask him but then when I actually ran the numbers they were like oh that's not funny at all that's, that's, <laughs> that's a joke's on me it's jokes on me <laughs> um, but if someone had paid me to paint a pink space marine army with polka dots I would do it if I, the money was good I just may not like it um, but sometimes that's what we do that's like trade for hire I've, I've seen a few commission or not commissions but peop- images of people putting Hello Kitty Marines oh, really? up mm-hmm. on yeah. uh, Google and Facebook and yeah. I look at these and I just cringe <laughs> I mean yeah and sometimes there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes like there's some there's some humor to be had there like I think I saw this this one um, charity event they did um, uh, they did a pink slanesh army for breast cancer awareness which I thought was appropriate yeah, that's appropriate yeah and it was great um, sometimes pink rocks I think Yes. Um, anyway, uh, all right. So, Philip, what have you been working on recently? Uh, two projects right now. I've just finished one. It was a platinum level archer uh, from I think it was Dark Reaper. Dark it's sword. Dark, dark sword miniatures. Yeah. yeah. So, very nice detail. They do um, some nice skulls. They do. They do. A little tiny. Small. Yeah. Tiny skull. Yeah. Her face <laughs> is ridiculously small. I was. People using... don't think about the difference between twenty-eight millimeter scale and thirty-two millimeter mm-hmm. scale. It's huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it took some time. Uh, I spent a good amount of time trying to get her fixed up and make her look nice. It's painted to the image, mm-hmm. so um, we should have a picture of her, I'm sure, soon. We but, will uh, certainly when the blog, when the podcast posts, we'll have mm-hmm. a pic. So, so but the client seemed was very happy with what he had seen. He did have some constructive criticism, things that he wasn't 100 percent happy with. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, we tidy those things up and fix yeah. them. And, and uh, I think one of the lessons we're learning as we go on is that when we photograph models for work in progress updates, we want to try to keep our workstations as clean as can be. Yeah. So that way they can focus on the model, kind of like a sorbet. It's sort of like you want to cleanse your palette so you can see it all the way. Right. Um, so rather than photograph it on like a desk full of like half-eaten sandwiches, <laughs> like we actually photograph it on a on a clean blank slate, like a white piece of paper. Mm-hmm. That way they can easily identify the problem areas if there are any. Um, and we'll talk about this more during the constructive criticism part of the show, but realistically, one of the reasons we do test models is to avoid this. With single RPG figures like this one, by the time the work in progress is due a week later, the model's pretty the much model's done. Pretty much yeah, done. Yeah. So it's hard. It's a challenge. Um, and we may have to adapt for that, do like a midweek update or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. other than making sure our miniatures are well-fed and taken care of. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so you did that one. You also rounded out the Halo Commission. Yep, finish that up, and the client, I believe, was happy. Super with pleased. Yeah. Was it? Okay, yeah, good. his I he, he loved them. Yeah. Good. 
Good. Yeah. <laughs> his only his only criticism, frankly, was in the shipping department, not your department at all. Okay. Like the um, the guy on the Death Watch. You also did a Death Watch project yeah. at the same time. Um, two of the figures um, broke, and to be fair, the one that broke was the with the motorcycle with the eagle flying Dirt, inside. I, him. I tried so yeah. hard to make sure it was mounted, but it's mounted it's, on like a pin. Yeah, right? it's, it's too small. Yeah. And I, I shipped him in a cotton ball bath. Like, he was really? swimming in cotton balls. <laughs> Could not have been a softer, safer shipping solution. Mm-hmm. It's just too delicate. Yeah. It's too delicate a figure. That's the problem with some of these GW fi- well, yeah. figures in general. But, like, the same thing we had an issue with the Stormcast Eternal, yeah. the Prosecutor Wings, those yeah. little tiny tips. Now we trip those. And, and you know what's funny is even worse than that is that if you ever drop the Prosecutor Wings, they bend. Oh, like the no. tips will bend, and I've learned that lesson the hard way. So you yeah. have to rebend them back. It's just a mess, uh, you know. And while I love the look of GW models, I I have to admit, sometimes that CAD engineering does not really create a well, a strong figure. Mm-hmm. Like some of those details are just too too fine. Yeah. Like for shipping purposes, and for, <clears throat> and even for travel purposes. Like how do you mm-hmm. suspend that in foam game to game? Yeah. You know when you're right. knocked around game stores. So I don't know. But, on yeah. top of that, there's a Shadow of a Brimstone project I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, very, very early in stages, still constructing it. But uh, This is a cool project because it's, it's every expansion for the Kickstarter ever. Mm-hmm. It's like every single expansion they came out <laughs> with, every bonus to the Kickstarters, he just sent them all to us, including, like, there's a turn counter that comes with it. It's yeah, like, it turn counter. this huge resin. I'm like, what is this brick here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... And it's like the only resin thing in the whole set. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually a really cool expansion. A lot of cool figures in there. Um, some of them are very rare. Yeah. Like the Dark Hydra, the as uh, what's it called? Belial? Um, yeah, Belial. Right. Mm-hmm. The big demon. And there's um, some sort of worm. Um, yeah, there's a huge... Yeah. There's the, the rat creatures. Right. So if you compare the original stuff to the new stuff, it's actually like the quality's you know, developed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Jonathan, his next commission is going to be a very small. Um, it's about yep. 24 figures. 24 it's also a Shadows of Brimstone commission. Okay. So that's one of the things I do like about the Kickstars is that they, they provide unique miniatures, things we haven't seen before. Yep. Um, cool opportunities to try out new paint schemes, different stuff. Um, and there's always a new game cropping up. Always. So. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> In fact, um, Dennis, um, we'll talk about, we actually be talking about this now, he's finishing up a copy of Zombicide the first season, and uh, we actually got our first request for Zombicide Black Plague last night. Okay. So, now, I don't know if it's going to become a commission, because one of the problems we're experiencing is that these games have so many figures, the people have this expectation that the price will be low. Because huh. the figures are kind of plasticky. Mm-hmm. Like, Zombicide, let's be honest, like, the figures are kind of plastic, yeah. and so they're, they're, they don't require assembly. But there's 80, or 71 in the basic box set. Yeah. So even if we charge 10 bucks a piece... It's still seven hundred and ten dollars. Right. Most clients balk at that price. And by the way, that's not what we charge. We charge a little bit more than that. <laughs> so, like the average box set for that game was like about a thousand dollars. Because what we suggest is we suggest painting the characters to an Electrum level so they pop out against the zombie horde. Mm-hmm. Zombies we paint up to a Silver level so they are basically just a tabletop quality model. So the entire project books out at about a grand, which most clients are like, oh, I spent forty dollars. I can't. On this. Right. <laughs> yeah, I bought right. the box. <laughs> And it's like the thing that we've I've kind of I've talked about this before is like getting clients to understand just because the game didn't cost you much doesn't mean it takes us less time to paint it. Mm-hmm. Like every one of those models is wearing shirts and shoes and pants and hair and all, all of this shit has to be painted. And gore. Right. It's a lot of details. Um, so you know, this is a long way of saying we're happy to paint these games, 
that just because you got them on Kickstarter doesn't mean you're going to pay Kickstarter prices to have right. them. We're not Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Like we are, we are artisans for hire, and you have to pay us. Um, all right. Uh, well, as for me, I'm finishing up um, the. Uh, so as Jonathan mentioned, Helios Guard wrapping up. This is the fourth wave of those guys. Fun guys to paint. Um, World Eaters. Um, <coughs> those guys are finishing up this week as well. Those have been a fun project. That's a basically a Forge World project. Um, cool models, but a lot of flash. I forgot how much resin has yeah, flash problems. It's it's really time consuming. Mm -hmm. Even now, where I'm putting on the final details, I'm still like finding like oh fuck, how did I miss that? Yeah, that's yeah. the biggest problem with the resin issue since. The Unfortunately, the uh, cleaning process too is right. You, with hard yeah. plastic, you're able to get those mold lines off. But with resin, you could easily scratching or ruining the detail. That's the and thing, that's right? The yeah. yeah, that's the kick. And it's about um, using a softer sandpaper. Well, some of those details are so small you can't use any. Or they're in between paper. arms where you can't even. Get like for example, if it's like let's say um, on the Demon Prince, for example, he has spiked shoulder pads, and all of those spikes have to be individually mounted to the shoulder pad, and there's hundreds of them across the model, like all the teeth, all the claws, all the talons, everything. Um, and a lot of times their guides aren't very well designed, so it's hard to tell, like, is this the spike they need? Is this the spike they need? Uh, it's more of an assembly error question than anything. Uh, but that's why on the website now we have a 5% um, increase on assembly for Forge World. Like I've, I've assigned a stipend to it because it's just, it, it is more complicated. There's no two doubts about it. I would rather do a plastic mold model any day of the week. It would oh, be yeah. nice if we had an instruction booklet. Well, and they have they do send a sheet. With some of the models. With some, some of, them. of them. Yeah. But a lot of times they don't show like the backside of the model, and you have to kind of guess. And, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but other than that, we're also finishing up two sets of Silver Tower this week. Um, those will be done here uh, real soon. Um, so I think right now we're flush up with models, tons of commissions, tons of projects. Mm -hmm. We actually kind of need another painter. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. We're not quite there. Um, and Jonathan has definitely been helping out with that quite a bit. But, um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to jump back in with our rotating segment. And we're going to talk about criticism, um, its effect on our product and our models, its effect on us as painters. And we'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our rotating segment for the evening, which is going to be about on, we're calling it on criticism, because we've talked about criticism on the show before, um, its impact on us, how it's, you know, it's goods, it's bads. Um, a lot of people don't think about how criticism really affects uh, your workplace and, and that sort of thing. Um, I kind of equate this to like when you are, are working a regular job. Um, actually, that's I'll start with that. Actually, I think that's a really good place to start because I think the the concept of what a job is has changed over the years. Definitely. Like um, Jonathan, I've I've kind of talked with you about this before. You work full time at a at a major box store. Yes. Um, and in addition to that, you work here part time. Um, and your your mom and your brothers sort of didn't even think it was a job for a while because <clears throat> they were like, well, you know, it's not really a job. So I guess the idea of like what is a job has kind of changed in my well, opinion. When, well, uh, like, when I first started working with you, our original agreement was through models. Right. And, you know, that, you know, <clears throat> sure, I'm getting paid in models. It's not money. Right, but I had to use. buy the models. That is true. Like, it, I had to spend money. <laughs> right. That is true. Um, so we got off of that pretty quickly because of the fact that when you had to, we, we learned was when you skipped days, when you were sick, when you were 
you know, whatever happened, life came up. Then I'm setting on models that I've ordered that I can't, that you're like, well, yeah. I don't want those. Right. And it's like, all right, well, that didn't work. So we switched over to a normal system of just money. Uh, and part of this was also based on the fact that we only thought you'd be here for a few months. You were planning to move. Right. And then you decided to stay when the guys needed a third roommate. Yep. So now you actually bring home a paycheck. Twice a month, you bring home a check. And on top of that, whenever you have a commission, you bring home an additional check. Exactly. So in my opinion, there's no differentiation between this and any other job. You come to work, you have expectations. You know, I suppose the only argument would be is that it's a subcontract job as opposed to like a workplace job. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have like a guidebook on how you should dress. I don't provide you with a 401k or insurance. <laughs> but that being said, lots of people don't get that either. What, what would white metal games insurance be like? You know, you get uh, discounts on, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> slicing your finger open with a razor knife. Well, if you think about like something like um, like the renovations we've done recently in the studio, we have to hire out carpenters for that. Right. So the carpenters come in. I don't pay them insurance, nor do I pay them like if there's a workplace injury, I don't pay them for that. That's their own workers' comp. Right. That being said, is it a job? I don't think anyone would say a carpenter is not a job. Of course. So why is it a carpenter is 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 allowed to be a work person, but in this in this world, like oh, painting's not a job. Like you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. why do people think of it that way? Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 is the start for why people have a harder time taking painting seriously, and why they don't think that criticism, you know, why they can be hateful and silly as opposed to like actually taking giving us constructive criticism <laughs> in their work. Um, so let's put this into action. Um, when we start a project out, we always do a test model. The point of the test model is to give the client something to look at physically that they can say, here are the things about it I like, here are the things about it I don't like. And the goal is to save us time and to save them a headache so that everyone is more satisfied in the process. And we've learned this process over thousands of models. So we get the request for the project. They live us all their details or as many as they can think of. We do the test model. And then a lot of times they come back with comments like, oh, I forgot to tell you this, if you could make his buttons green or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgot to tell you that the first time. And that's the point of the test model, is to learn from that process. Um, then we do the project, and the client, we ask for constructive criticism and feedback. And I'm very specific about saying constructive criticism, because what I want is not necessarily positive criticism, but criticism that is useful, mm-hmm. like... I don't like the color of that green. I thought it would be more evergreen and this is more sea green. Or, hey, I think that there should be a few more details here. Can you pick out, I don't know, whatever. His um, his bolter, can you pick out the bullets or something? Or, or, or it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, now, I get the constructive criticism from the clients. I kind of act as an intermediary. And then I deliver that constructive criticism to you guys so you guys can respond to it. But you're not subjected to it firsthand. I kind of like soften the blow when it's bad, <laughs> that kind of thing. I, I sort of boil it down to what they're saying. How do you guys respond to that criticism? Um, well, with uh, a project I had before, the uh, um, the, the druid. Druids, I had, um, actually it was a while ago, way before the Druid, um, I had put up uh, an orc boss, Snickrot, the Green Ghost, that I worked, took me 20 hours to make them that good. And a lot of people were just hard bashing my work. No, for didn't look like they were any reason. You know, I, I put just them up trolls, to, just analyze. trolling my dude in the dirt. Now, in that, I did find a few people that were giving some great criticism, like you know, hey, you know, this looks pretty good. Maybe maybe increase the lighting to bring out more details, or you know, that green looks a little flat. Maybe you know, use this type of green. Uh, but a lot of the stuff I was originally receiving was more of uh, this sucks. Get off the website. You know. You're a terrible painter. Stop trying to be a commission artist. You'll never get anywhere. Blah blah blah. Just people, absolutely. 
Those are harsh And I, I mean, I think the thing is, is like, my wife calls it the, the, the kind of the, the heinous because the heinous philosophy is that they strike out at things because they either can't do it, don't do it, or don't want to do it. Or it's kind of a jealousy thing. Because here's the thing, like, let's take a couple of those 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 hateful comments and break right. those down. Like, if they're like, get off the web, okay, like, wh- is that, what about the work? It couldn't have possibly driven them that mad. Right. Like, it couldn't have possibly got them that upset. They're just angry. Like, they're just angry people, and they're looking for something <laughs> to lash out at. Um, you'll never be a commission artist. You are a commission artist. Right. Like, you are a painter for hire. Like, we, you were employed to paint models. You get paid. And our clients, who are our first critics, are, if they like the work, they pay us. Exactly. Which, in my opinion, means, like, here's the thing. I, I am responsible for the clients, not the world. Like, if someone in Asia doesn't fucking like the way I painted a blue space marine, I could give a fuck. Right. Like, who gives a shit whether you like it or not? It's an aesthetic choice. The question is whether the client likes it. Mm-hmm. And that's the primary voice I'm interested in listening to. Just like in the same way if we painted two projects for two different guys, they may have different things they like. Right. It doesn't mean one's bad or one's good. It means they have different tastes. And our job is to respond to those tastes mm-hmm. and to take those tastes and to to constructively employ them in the project so that they are happy. Right. You know what and I mean? generally speaking, I, I find that the people who give harsh criticism aren't actually looking for commission work. No. It's the people who... Like, uh, like you said, it's the clients that we work with that we care about their criticism and right, things. Right. These other guys just, you know, they just give us whatever they want to say, the harsh words just to say it. <laughs> They're not going to be hiring us. Right. And so, just, yeah, try not to even give them any ear. Let's talk about the the pro painted problem. I, I think that's out mm-hmm. there is that people people have this assumption that pro painting, and I've talked about this on blog articles before. That pro painted basically the idea is that it, it's a, it's a level of excellence. It's like mm-hmm. it's a quality standard. But the problem is it's not like fucking FDA where you can grade the beef. It's like how do you rate what is pro painted? And on top of that, at white metal we have levels of painting we paint to. So you're paid for your time as a premium. For example, the, the archer you just did is a platinum level archer. She took you eight to ten hours probably. Right. Yeah. In that same amount of time, you could have probably painted eight or so space marines I would say it's it's a fair way to look at that so should you be paid people who are like you know you should paint it to the same level every single time well first off we're not paid for that we pay we budget these projects out so the clients can afford them so if one guy's like I want a whole army of space marines or whatever it doesn't really matter but I have a budget of two thousand dollars we can work with that but if you ask every single figure to be at the same platinum level that's not either going to be fair to us as artists or budget conscious to you as a buyer. Mm-hmm. So to make the best of all situations, we have levels so that we are fairly compensated for the details on the figure. Smaller details mean smaller brushes, means more time spent on the figure, means more attention to detail. That price comes at a premium. And, and that's why we do it that way, is that so we are we have a system that clients can equate over time. They can say, like, hey, I see the difference between this figure and that figure. And like, I know what to expect. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, if, for example, if you go into a Burger King and I order a chicken sandwich and I get fucking, like, you know, a tofu sandwich, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> That's not what I ordered. Like, it doesn't look like the picture on the menu at all. What I want is ideally, um, and we'll talk about this at another time, but brand-wise, is that I would like things to look uniform. Like, when you paint a model, I want it to look like any of the studio artists painted that model or could have painted that model. So that really, at the end of the day... We have a uniform brand. Like in the same way, like if you look at like Awakened Realms and like mm-hmm. they have a very contrast heavy brand. Like we've talked about that before, kinda. Of. Lots of highs yeah. and lows, spotlighting, that kind of thing. 
Um, and we're not there yet, but we're, we're working on getting there. And in the meantime, the way we differentiate prices is budget, basically, is what are you willing to spend on that? Um, so anyway, um, when we get criticisms like, you know, um, I don't know. Um, well, I don't, let's talk about some of the criticisms you get from some of, some of the, the clients we have. Mm -hmm. What kind of criticism do you respond well to? Um, well, I mean, the most important thing is you know, I want to know, you know what they like about the model, what they don't like about it, and detailed why they don't like it. Sure. Not so, just I don't like that. Right. Because we can't use anything. With that. So, like, <clears throat> an example would be for the last, uh, for the Platinum Arch I just finished up on, um, the client was not happy with the, uh, sort of like the wrappings of the arm that sure. go around her hand and everything, and the, his problem was it was it blended in too much with her pants. Right. Which from the image, it, they kind of look the same color, but all I had to do was simply lighten the armband. Right. He gave suggestions on what he thinks would look good for sure. and that helped me just you know go in and fix it up a little bit and help define that a little more. Do you find, because I, I have probably a different opinion about this, do you find that when, when clients give you criticism but it's painting, it's technique-related criticism, do you mm -hmm. find that to be useful or do you find that to be frustrating? That is can be frustrating. So, like yeah. the, with the platinum level, it's such it's basically my the best work I can do. Right. So when they say, "Oh well, um, you know, I, I expect more detail," like that's the best I can do. Sure. Like that's literally the best, and I feel like I did a good job. And when they're expecting a higher level, that can be frustrating. Um, I think part of the problem is that people find an image online, and it could be painted by anybody. It could be painted by a master. Like, who's that guy you like so much? What's his name? Carol uh, Rudick. Carol Rudick. Yeah. Uh, or it could be like Jen Haley. I saw this model on the Reaper website the other day, and I loved it. And then I saw like, oh, painted by Jen Haley. Yeah. I was like, oh, now I now no, I know. Why. <laughs> um, and the problem is, is that those people, when they do commissions, they start at a thousand dollars a model. Like, so we don't charge a thousand dollars a model. So we can't provide that level of detail. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, if we were, that would not be, I don't know any paint service that does that, frankly. Like they just, it's not a way to, to build a business model, I don't think. Unless, like, I mean, Carol Rudick is, uh, we mentioned, just mentioned him, he's my favorite artist, and he does commissions, but all his stuff is above even our diamond level. Like, right. And that's every model he does. Right. And, and so pretty. they're they're expecting that, and he's built his brand around that, but he has a skill set, and he's getting paid to do that. And you talked about that in the beginning when you first came to work for me, is you wanted to embrace higher-level models. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I try to give you higher-level projects. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it's hard. I've learned over the time. You can't build. We're not at the point where we can build a business on it, mm -hmm. at least not me. Like, the white metal style is not that. Like, the bread and butter of our projects are tabletop-level projects. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Like, there's there's a place for that. Like, painting 50 Space Marines as opposed to painting one wizard, right. whatever, um, <laughs> over the course of a month. Um, and that's awesome that people can make money that way. But for us, the goal is, to, like, we're trying to do, we're as a business, we're trying to get models in, get models out. We try to turn out, churn out models quickly and effectively so the clients can get their models on the table. So that means we have to use fast techniques, time-saving techniques. So when we go over to, when you have to change gears for like a platinum level figure like that mm -hmm. archer, people, I think, have a hard time kind of differentiating why that is a platinum level figure. Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of like when you taste wine, if you, like some, you know, wine aficionados would be like, do you taste the tannins and da 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 right, and, right. and their palate is so stylized they can really differentiate. Whereas I just can tell you if I like it or not. I, mm -hmm. I like this, it tastes great. Um, 
But sometimes it also boils down to like the camera. Like, how are we photographing the model? Or even more specifically, how are they viewing the model? Like, are they viewing it on their smartphone? Is their screen two inches wide? Maybe the details are there and they can't see them because they're impatient and they didn't take the two seconds to go to a, a laptop or a PC and look at it. Well, it could also be that they're just not near one at the moment. It could, but then why are they responding that quickly? Like, why would they respond? To like, I don't see the detail. Hmm. I think that our society has just changed, shifted gears. Right. Um, so I think that the point here is, that, in my opinion, is that, um, you know, the way you view the model is going to not only vary based on what you view it on, but how long you take. Take your time to view it. Like, don't respond at first. Right. Like, take some time, think about it, and then respond to us with criticism that's useful. Um, like, for example, if someone says, um, I don't like the gold on something. Well, that's too vague. Maybe if they come back and they say, um, I don't think the gold is light enough or dark enough or green enough or blue enough or, or whatever, like cold enough or hot enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes clients have a hard time articulating that, yeah. yeah. And you have to really sort of <coughs> boil it down to like, all right, like um, put it into terms that are simple. Like I was, I met with a client the other day in person and he had some criticisms. And I was like, okay, can you boil that down into, into something simple? Like how does this, when you look at this, what about it is you don't like? Well, I don't like it. Okay. All right. Let's start there. Is it that you don't like the color? Is it that you don't like the technique? Is it that you don't like this or that? Or, you know, like really boil it down. 20 questions with the client. The yeah, answer. basically. You have to kind of primer it out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, you know, and I've thought about whether or not that would be useful to have kind of a primer for clients. Like, here's how we respond best to criticism. Like, use terms like this. Like, uh, I don't know. And I don't know if that'll be useful or not, but I'm, I'm kind of exploring it. Um, would you say that um, uh, how would you say you are taking criticism like are you able to differentiate yourself from your work I have difficulty doing that sometimes okay if I work like and you've seen that obviously well and you get a lot of criticism for me to be fair right like because like we're, we're here in the studio together a lot so because of right. that I, I you know I provide you criticism on a very regular basis right so um, most of the criticism I receive from people you know I get a lot of positive mm-hmm. there are a few times where I get negative with the exception of you know the the hate mail I don't count that sure um, but I usually take it well if mm-hmm. it's uh, constructive okay. what good constructive not just I don't like this um, and to be fair a negative comment can be constructive right like I think you spent you know like for example if like um, a, a negative comment would be like hey there's too much um, um, I don't know um, Hey, uh, I don't like the way his teeth are yellow. Could you make them whiter? Right, that's right. constructive. That's a negative constructive criticism. Right, I like it. But it, it gives it gives detail. It gives gives information instead it, of you know exactly instead of you know oh I don't like the teeth why because they're yellow. Okay, okay, that's, that's a problem we can fix. Right, you we, know. we can fix that. Well, I bring this up because a client had that exact criticism the other day. He was asking about he was like on the horns. I did some horns on a demon, and he was like, hey, they kind of look kind of yellow or white. I dry brushed them white at the end, and I was like, well. That's kind of how I do horns. But he's like, well, can you make them more color, yellow colored? And I was like, sure. That's yeah. no problem at all. That's an easy, easy fix. So what about you, Philip? Um, so I don't, I tend to post, most of the constructive criticism, or criticism in general that I get is from the clients directly. Sure. Right. Or, well, through indirectly, you. But yeah. Indirectly through you. But it's not from, I don't post a lot on other websites and things, so I don't really pay heed to that. Um, but when, it means a great deal. When you start to put your work out there, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've noticed this, like, you will get negative feedback. Yeah. For sure. 
But I mean, the most important thing is, like you've mentioned before, is the client, and that's very big deal to me. Like, I'd like to know when they receive it, are they happy with the product um, that I've created? Um, so yeah, I mean, it means a lot. I want to hear good things, mm-hmm. um, and the constructive criticism, like if it's, if I'm going to get it a negative response, I want to be during while or while I have it in hand so I can fix it. Yeah. Um, That's another good point is that once we do the test models and we're kind of full steam ahead on a project, once the project's done and the client has looked at the models and approved them during the test process, in theory, the sign-off should be pretty simple. mm -hmm. It should be like, yes, these match the test models, they look great. So when we get final comments and they're like, well, I was expecting higher detail. Yeah. It's disheartening a little bit for me. Right. That's very frustrating because it's like, well, you approved. And I had to boil it down for a client that way one time. I was like, well, you approved every single test model we provided and you saw work in progress updates for weeks every week on the week. So why is this, why was your expectation for detail level higher on a tabletop level model? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that particular case, he was like, well, I don't know. I just thought it would be. Okay, well, that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, like you had every opportunity to say I want higher level detail, and if you did, we would have been like, absolutely. What are the areas? And I asked him, I was like, what are the areas you think should have higher detail? And he didn't have an answer. Well, also, um, and this is just a personal opinion because uh, mm-hmm. I know that there we we might get some clients that have maybe uh, a, a bipolar or something like that, where their opinions will change based on where they are on their little spectrum. So you could. You That's get true. A, you can get a client. Now, I don't know if we get clients like that, but maybe... Well, maybe. even even if it's not bipolar, maybe we kept a client on a bad day. Right. Like, maybe he got divorced that day, or maybe, like, he broke up with his girlfriend, or maybe he lost his job, and he's thinking about ways to save money, and he's like, oh, I'll just I'll just shit on this project, and then I'll right. deny it, or whatever. Right. Which, by the way, your deposit's not refundable, so that's not going to help. But, that being said, yes, there's a human element involved there, yeah. and I agree with that. But that being said, like, what I would hope is that when they calm down, <laughs> then they respond to the feedback. Well, you know, any, anyone, you know, it could just be bad timing, too. You know, you get the email, hey, here's your update, and you're just in that bad mood, and you just badmouth it because you're in a bad mood, and you don't... It, I think here's what I would sort of sum it up as. The goal of feedback and constructive feedback is to get a higher quality product for the client that he's more pleased with. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Like, so that they are happy with the product and we are able to provide it in a way that everyone is satisfied. And there's a transparency to the progress and the process. Um, But the way that works is that the client has to communicate with us. And the way that, what that means is you have to, as a client, evaluate the models constructively. If you do all of those things, you'll have a very... Uh, I think, you know, good experience with commission work overall. I think if you don't and you just turn it into a hate bash, um, it's not going to work. Right. Um, like I had a client a few, a few months, about a month or so ago that asked me to duplicate a model from another studio. And I should have told her just to go to the other studio. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And when I copied it, it wasn't exactly the same. It was different. Um, and so because of that, she was ultimately disappointed and frustrated, and I ended up refunding the project. So now I've got two Eldar flyers in her case that I can't sell. Um, so the lesson for me there was to learn, like, look, you know, when they say, will it be exactly the same? No, it will not. Mm-hmm. If you want it exactly the same, you should absolutely contact that other studio. Right. Um, and I, but I wanted the project. So I was like, I think I can get it. I think I can do it. And I did at the time. I thought I could. But even to this day, it mystifies me how they did what they did. And that's fine. Um, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. 
Um, and when we jump in, we're going to jump into our speed painting technique section of the show. First time around for that one. First time around for that one. Yeah, we're now caught up. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this brief message. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique, and um, the show has been a little different this week because um, our, our rotating segment was kind of a meat and potatoes portion of the show, but mm-hmm. now we're going to kind of do uh, another meat and potatoes portion just for fun, like a twofer. So we're going to talk about um, speed painting and um, um, batch painting techniques and tips that kind of thing. And this kind of correlates with criticism because one of the things we get talked we've talked about before is that some people believe that every time you paint a model you should paint it to your highest level standard. But obviously as a business we can't do that. No. We have to find ways to get out models on budget and on time. To do that we develop techniques over time that are time efficient, cost effective, and look good on the table. So we're going to share a few of those secrets with you today. Um, kind of talk about what works for us. Um, what um, what may work for you? Um, the first thing I'm going to I'm kind of point out is that a quantity versus quality analysis. Um, you you may or may not have heard this, but people in the theater industry say this all the time. They say good, safe, cheap, fast, and you get two. So the idea being like it can, the project can be fast, or it can be cheap, or it can be great, yep. or it can be safe. <laughs> but you can't have everything, and I I think that equates to painting as well. Um, we kind of talked about this briefly earlier, but you mentioned that art is one of those fields where you're expected to do your best work but not be compensated right. fairly for your time, which is silly to me um, that um, someone could spend like 20 years accumulating knowledge and talent and technique uh, but then be paid less even right. though they're a professional in their field. Um, and I, you know, these we talked about this earlier on the show. Like, what constitutes a dr- what constitutes a real job? Right, I think there's a yep. So just because I'm, if I can paint to the highest level I can, doesn't mean I always will be. Sometimes someone wants a tabletop level project, and they're willing to pay me for it. And I am willing to paint that because it's faster. It's kind of mindless, and I can kind of droll it out in a week, in a few weeks, and uh, get it done. And they're pleased with it, even though it's not the highest level work we offer. It's economical for the client, and it's fun. It gives us a chance to paint something new and different. Yeah. Um, and based on all the work that we've done in the past, they can look at our figures, pictures, and they know, okay, this is a tabletop. This is what I want. I don't need something higher quality than right. this. And this is right. should get what they expect to pay for. I think part of the problem, too, is that people differentiate tabletop differently. Mm-hmm. Like, no two people will agree on what tabletop really is. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide for yourself, if you're, if you're painting to a standard, what tabletop level is mm-hmm. and how we differentiate that. And for me, the way we differentiate it here at White Metal is in terms of detail level. So, for example, if let's say we paint um, up a, um, a wizard in black robes with a red staff. Okay. So maybe at a lower level, it's black robes, white flesh, red staff, one wash, call it a day. That's the minimum amount of detail we can apply. Yep. As we progress <coughs> levels, the flesh gets more highlights. It get, The robes get more highlights. 
pockets, and they also get deeper pockets of shadow. We work in some different colors. We use smaller brushes to achieve finer highlights. Yes. We pick out details that may not have been evident in the first time. Like, um, for example, let's suppose his robe has, um, I don't know, um, a, pl a spot on it where the thread is becoming bare. Okay, that's a cool detail. Like, we could pick that out, but we're not going to pick that out at a lower level, not when you're spending 20 bucks on the model. When you're spending 80 bucks on the model, sure, absolutely. We'll take our time, we'll really pick those details out. So I guess it boils down to how do you differentiate tabletop versus pro-painted, and, and you know, really every service is different. So what I would encourage you to do is go to our painting page, look at our levels, look at our samples, and then gauge for yourself what is what we gauge a tabletop level to be, and how we define that right. versus how you define that. And that's sort of that's how it, once you understand that, that kind of gets you into an idea. Of, okay, well now we've got to figure out how to do this efficiently. And so right. that's how the batch painting and the speed painting kind of come together. Right. Um, yeah, sorry. And so well, there's an example of this, and I'm not sure if photos are up just yet, but. The Death Watch project had a bunch of Tyranids. Yeah. They were all silver level. There's like 40 or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I had to find a way to you know, efficiently crank out all these Tyranids right. and keep it in a timely manner. Um, and now some of those consistent. are duplicate figures, so you can, you can copy cast. You can, right. Well, I can copy this paint scheme and move it over there. But one of the ways that I was able to do that was, uh, based on what the client wanted, I was able to get the flesh toned down. I was able to kind of break the model into parts. So understanding that... Um, his boot, all the boots were the same color. They were a dark kind of a grayish leather. Mm -hmm. All the pants were sort of a khaki color. And so I got those colors down and then I put a wash over them. So minimizing and, color mm -hmm. changes and using that allows you to use the same brush, the same technique, the same color. Mm -hmm. And it allows you, rather than sitting there and exploring the model each time, right. thinking about your color palette, you've decided on the color palette one time. Right. And now you can apply that across the project unilaterally, exactly. which saves time. Yep. So, and that's part of the reason we do test models. That helps you figure that out too. Mm -hmm. And so, test model is great. It not only helps the client see what you're going to do, it also helps you figure out, okay, what's my process for this project. And so, that's also, frankly, one of the reasons that like we have a different wargaming chart versus an RPG chart is because like. Um, Basically, when you paint, like, I would say, like, you know, $14 to paint and assemble a Space Marine is a little low, except for the fact that we know that there's going to be a squad of 10 of them. Right. So we know that each of them are going to be painted intrinsically the same way. So we can make that a cost-effective means of operating because, hey, we know this is how this is going to go down. Whereas, like, let's say that they had 10 character figures that are all completely different. We know we're going to have to sit there with each character figure and explore every figure and think about it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I think one good rule is, like you said, just use the same colors over and over. Minimize your color shifts. Mm -hmm. um, pick a simple palette so the colors blend well together and you don't have to constantly sit there and think about how colors are going to work against each other. Right. Contrast with each other, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, I think that's a lesson you've been beating into my head last. For me, I, yeah. well, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that's one thing is that, like, when you think about a project, and this is one of the reasons as well, and people don't think about this, but one of the good reasons for writing down your notes on a project is that later on, I don't have to do a test. Right. Like, if someone says duplicate that figure, I've got the notes. Like, I know exactly what I did on the last figure. So, by keeping detailed records, we're able to create the figures more quickly. So even on a client level, just like if you do paint your own miniatures, keep a little notebook. And just as you paint a figure, write down what you do. Like, baste with this color, dry brush this color, wash this color. And that also becomes a listing for the steps you took. And then you can revise that process moving down the road. 
Um, I would also say that um, uh, not only just defining your tabletop level, but maybe just accepting the fact that not every figure has to be your highest level figure. Right. Like being set, like knowing what your project is meant for. Like for example, if I play uh, paint up a, a, um, a set of Zombicide miniatures, I'll use them as a good example. Well, I'm not going to play that game very often, frankly. Right. I'm going to it, play it six, seven times a year, maybe. So I don't have to paint them all to my highest level standard. Why would I? They're going to be in a box. They're not going to be on my shelf. So figure out what the project is intended for and paint it to that level. Like if the project was meant to be a fun beer and pretzels game that you bring out every once in a while, do it that way. Um, so accepting the level is half the battle. Limiting your paint selection is another half the battle. Um, I would also say like with your brushes, like um, use the right brush for the right sides. And a lot of times people don't think about this, but if you use a bigger brush but it comes to a finer tip, and this is where quality brushes come in. They'll hold a bigger load of paint, um, and that allows you to dip less, to thin less. You can basically use the same brush over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've noticed with details, like if I use a very, very fine detail brush, I am constantly wiping the brush down, getting the dried paint off, dipping it into the new paint. Now the paint's drying out too fast, adding drying retarder. All of that takes time. So using a bigger brush allows you to work faster, but that also means your hand-eye coordination has to be better. So, frankly, practice. That's a good, Speaking of, a good uh, tip. Like just brushes. Uh, the other day I ordered a new set of brushes. Yeah? And uh, I got them yeah, last night. I was excited about it. Good. What was the, well, who's the brand? Uh, it was uh, Purple Place. That's the name of the brand? Yeah. I think it was, it was either Purple Room or Purple Place brushes. Oh. Um, Never heard of No. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, I might be saying... Purple was in the name. Um, okay. So... I get the, my mom says, John, your box is here. I see this massive box. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking, I ordered just brushes. Open it up. There's this nice an envelope. I'm thinking, well, maybe I got more than I asked for. Open maybe it up. Maybe they sent money. Like maybe they sent yeah, yeah. <laughs> Open it up. It's all canvas brushes. So they're huge oh, brushes. No. And I'm sitting here going, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Some and that's happened to me before on Amazon. You have to look at the scale. Yeah. They, they'll say like in the the the, the size like. Like, I bought a brush box from them one time, and it's four canvas brushes, so it's too big. Yeah. But what I do is I double the brushes. Like, I put half on one side, half on the other side, as opposed to having them connected two points. They, it, so it actually worked out yeah, for me but, that time, not so much for but it was like a time. full. It's a full 15 set of canvas brushes that I have now, and I'm just sitting here going, well, All I right. could put them to use. <laughs> <laughs> Terrain or something, yeah. There you go. Um, another thing I wanted to touch base on with, with the test model is that... Um, Doing the test model allows you to think less during the paint process. Yeah. So basically, you've, you've achieved this one test model's result. Now you know what you're doing. It's almost like a paint guide. So now, like for example, I'll keep my test model on my desk, and I'll be like, all right, now I should go ahead and do all of this, because this is the next biggest color thing I'll yeah. Like, I'll do this next. Um, I think one thing you have to be careful of and that I've had to learn is when you do the test model, sometimes you kind of... You get excited about it, and you end up putting more time and pick out more details yeah. than you're actually required to. I agree. And I have to be very careful. I have to limit that. I find it especially with like... Because when you're doing one figure, you don't think about the time commitment. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right. So, that was a problem I had, I think, with the dinosaur, mm -hmm. yeah. where it was supposed to be what, bronze level, or was that supposed to be silver? It was actually silver. Silver? I, and you were paid for silver. Right. So. Okay. So. But I think that the problem with that project where you got confused is that there was all of the animals were to bronze except for that guy. Right. He was to silver. Which, to be fair, you painted them all to bronze except for him, which you painted to silver. 
whether by definition or default, you just you did it. Right. It was um, very part of that's because the dinosaur is four times the size of any of those animals. Four times like, the size had way more detail. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much detail you can get on a reef <laughs> cat that's like the size of like a pin tip. Right. Like, frankly, the sculptors didn't put detail on it, mm-hmm. so you can only paint so much detail on there. Um, uh, so yeah, so with the test model, limit the detail level because remember you're going to have to do that many, many, many times. Right. So, and think about the fact that as a unit, those details aren't going to pop as much. Save your details for the for the standalone figures. Mm-hmm. Save them for the single models. Um, or on the bigger models, like where you can actually have a bigger canvas to work from, you can play with that a little bit more. Um, the other, the last tip I'm going to assign before we move on from this and sort of get into the end of the show is that one of the things I've learned recently is that when I'm painting similar models from different ranges, I'll go ahead and do them at the same time. For example, this client I'm doing the World Eaters project on now, it's all World Eaters, and I had a corn demon prince I built on a lark a while ago. Now, he didn't request the model, but I knew I loved the color scheme. So I went ahead and painted him too, because now he'll be done. I'm using all the same paints, the same colors, the same techniques. I can offer it to the client. I can say, like, hey, I just did this. If you want to add it on as a stipend, we can add it on. And if he's like, no, that's okay, that's okay. It goes right to the web store. Um, and that's all right as well. So in the same way that you're using minimal colors, look for similar figures in your mm-hmm. painting range that need that color. Like if you're painting, let's say, Space Marines that are blue, and you're also an RPG player, and you're painting up a blue dragon for your D&D game. Yeah, that's a good one. They're, they're both blue. Yep. So go ahead and grab both figures, paint them at the same time. Like grab the airbrush, paint up your Space Marines with your blue mm-hmm. base coat, paint your blue dragon with his blue base coat, you're halfway there. Um, and then you can finish up the projects as you go, kill two birds with one stone. That's a good idea. So yeah. we'll, um, we'll revisit this topic in a future episode. Um, but I think for now, just when you think about your economics, paint in batches, minimize your detail level, think about the amount of detail you want to achieve, um, and, and just bear in mind that like practice makes perfect. Like. Mm-hmm. Your hand-eye coordination cannot be learned from a blog. Like, you have to practice it to learn it. So, so anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump in with our one-minute rants, and um, we will be right back after this. Hey, guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one minute rant for Gush tonight. I'm going to let Philip start it off, uh, because he uh, has a, a, a Gush for, I'm going to say the first time in a couple weeks, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a legitimate. Uh, so I am, since you guys are hearing this, you have seen the new Sylvaneth models that are coming out, right. the new Tree Men. I love them. So, back when, before AOS and, uh, and all that started, the Treeman was a new Wood Elves. They, re- they re-released the Wood Elves, actually, I guess within a year or they, two they times did. now. Yeah. Um, so, they, they were brand new models. They had the new Dryads, the new Treeman Ancients and all that, and I loved them. 
And I feel like with these new AOS models now that they they've kind of held to that theme. They yeah. look fantastic. Um, and they're not just like back in the day, wood elves before they were called Sylvaneth mm-hmm. were just elves in brown, pretty basically. much. And they, yeah. they like they they still rode chariots. They still had dragons, but high elves and wood elves weren't that different. Right now, the ranges are wicked. Yeah, bad. like you can tell the difference. They really aesthetic change. brought in the nature of of the wood elves into yeah. the trees, and so now it's pretty much just trees that really aren't wood elves, and I think they're kind of well, probably bring them into the... And, and I mean, I don't know if the range still supports it, but they still do have, like, they have wood elves. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I mean, technically, they have, like, um, you know, um, the, 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 tree, the rangers, the, and mm-hmm. they have, like, um, these other guys. Like reindeer mounts and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so, so they have, there are, there's, a, there's an element element to it. Mm-hmm. But these new dryad ranges, like you said, are just wicked cool. Mm-hmm. There's one where it's, like, a dryad inside of, like, a suit of armor, but it's a tree. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so fucking cool. I love it. Yeah. I love it. They, She's like a nemesis dread knight, but in wood elves, yes. which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk about Sylvaneth herself. She's or the, uh, whatever she's called. Ariel. Ariel. Yeah, Ariel. Not Ariel. Yeah, something like that. So I, I think the beetle's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's very unique. I was not expecting a beetle. I sure. sort of, I thought it would be a sort of like a wooden dragon type thing. Something. Yeah. Um, but I like it a lot. Um, Ariel herself, she's cool. I don't like the way they painted her. No. I don't like her skin tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think there's a lot of stuff you can do with her. She reminds me of the Lord of the Lady of Blades, or from that video game, what's it called? Starcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Does she remind you Queen of Blake Kerrigan? Queen yeah, of Blades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A yeah. little bit. A little bit. The wings is what. Yeah. yeah. Well, the way the the body kind of morphs into like a wooden yeah. expanded or whatever, like kind shape. of natural armor, mm-hmm. kind of. But that being said, that won't hurt sales. By the way, no. Every not kid at who all. sees that who thinks that's going to be like, mom, buy that. Yeah. So. So I, I'm very happy with it. Um, I'm excited. I think that actually will become my Age of Sigmar army. Yeah, I, nice. Yeah, I wasn't. I would love the uh, the orcs and stuff, but this I think is just it, it brings me back to what I loved about the fantasy range. That's so I'm, I'm happy about it. Very cool, man. Um, I I agree. They are really really cool looking models. So, uh, Jonathan, do you have a rant or gush for us? Uh, well, I did notice with the uh, coming out of the Death from the Skies, uh, the yeah. new box sets that came out. Yeah, they're. Um, I forget mm-hmm. what those are called. Yeah. Uh, they have they uh, have a yeah. series of boxes. They each have right. their own name. Each has two flyers, right? Yeah. Uh, they have the two flyers, which I think is a great way to start flyers. But yeah. also, um, I noticed that a lot of people were bashing the uh, the new book itself because it was an extra phase in the game and it was extra rules. When I thought this would be a cool just a side game by itself, kind of like as a mini Strike. game, it can be played as a mini game. Right, there's some fun to be had there. Right, and you know. I definitely want to get that one of the boxes. I'm actually looking at the uh, the Eldar and the Orc one because oh. that's another Daka jet, which I could add to my army on top of having a fun Eldar to add to my uh, collection of things. I do. Well, you know, another benefit to that is that like if you get two buddies together, you can get a couple friends together and you can uh, like each take one of those, exactly. paint them up. You can play the game, um, and on top of that, you are saving about twenty percent on the kids. Definitely. So if you wanted to play, like I would love to see a flyer on flyer version of Apocalypse. Just like get all your friends together, only flyers or jet bikes allowed. Maybe allow assault marines too. Uh, anything that flies. And just have some fun with it, you know? I think that would be really, really cool. Actually. That would be forging of the narrative. <laughs> be like, yeah. interesting. That would be interesting. So You have to wear uh, fighter pilot helmets too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like on camera? Like on yeah. camera. Yeah. <laughs> I actually would really support that. I would, I would, I would totally like I, I think that as we develop our, our gaming channel um, in the next couple of years, like one of the questions will be how do we 
how do we differentiate? Right. How do we make our work stand out a little bit? Bringing in props. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, in so a way, that's kind of that's kind of true. Um, like, what I would love to see is like how people like to, respond to that. To like, bring up, uh, bring the silliness. Have yeah. some fun. Yeah, and, like don't take it so yeah. seriously. I'm not gonna be up for wearing a wizard robe while playing the <laughs> VR. Yeah, we'll see. About we, that. We, we'll <laughs> give you elf ears, and you know. Well, Within reason. Right, within reason. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm liking Jonathan's idea about you wearing elf ears. Oh, <laughs> I think oh, one of the rules should be if you play Sylvan at the upper I think that it'll be the punishment for losing. Uh, well, how's that a punishment? Know. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe for you. That'll just get confusing, because then in the next bat rep, you'll be wearing the ears, but it'll be because of the last bat rep. And mm. like, well, I'm playing, like, Eldar today. But <laughs> well, that's kind of LD2, though. So. Um, all right. Well, um, I'm going to gush a little bit. Um, one of our clients requested a, a copy of Zombicide Black Plague painted up. And he sent us this video link to this guy's paint channel. Um, and I had never heard of him before, but his name is Sorastro. And it's spelled weird. It's S-O-R-A-S-T-R-O. So Sor Astro. And he's got a Patreon page. And um, lots of guys have painting videos. And lots of guys do a good job. Um, and this guy just did a great job. Like he has, it's kind of a newer service. He's very honest on his on his Patreon page. He's like, "Look, I work a full time job. I make about two thousand dollars a month. I'd like to get enough um, uh, money from these videos that I can do that full time. And um, in order to do that, I need your support." He's only put up maybe um, I don't know fifty videos, but he said each one takes about forty to sixty hours, which I think is fair because he he composes original music for everyone it shows him wow talent. wow on top of that um he paints all the models he's upgraded his camera equipment with his support from patreon so far so the videos look good he shows the techniques um he doesn't focus on the colors he like he tells you these are the colors i use but the, any of these would be fine mm -hmm. he actually showed at one point in the video he's like i washed three different test figures down and he did a con he did one with like um an army painter Shade. He did one with a mixture of two GW shades, like Nolan Oil and Agrax. And then he did one with Quick Shade. And the difference levels between the three was so big, I could not believe it. And the best looking one was absolutely the Quick Shade, which I would not really? have guessed. It looked yeah. so good. And it was, because the, it was because it sank into the recesses so well, but it left the highlights so clean hmm. that it didn't muddy the figure down. You know, sometimes you'll wash a figure and it's just like, Eh, did you drop it in dirt? Yeah. You know? It sinks into the recesses, but it really stains the surface. Quick shade by Army Painter? Did not. Like, it was killer how good. I'll send you a link. Uh, anyway, so this guy produced a video about Black Plague, and um, he just did... They're really just tabletop-level models, but they're outstanding. Right. Like, he picked a few details to really emphasize. He kept it simple. He kept the technique down to a way that anyone could do it. Um... And he's not really a commission painter. He's really a video content producer. But he's exactly the kind of guy, if I supported, if I had money to support Patreon, and I might yeah. just because he's great, um, he is absolutely the kind of guy I would want to base my service off of. He's producing high-quality videos. They look great. They're outstanding. I can't, I cannot say enough about this guy. Best of luck for him. I know that's a really hard thing to get into. Yeah. I think Painting Buddha tried to do Patreon. And they haven't produced a video in months. Yeah. And I think. And when you think about how much time it takes, when he was like 40 to 60 hours, I was like, that's about right. Yeah. Because well, he's painting it yeah. while videoing it. He's going to also edit it. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It Plus, he put, in, he put in graphic effects. He put in like, you know, what do you call them? Title bars, that kind of thing. When, uh, when I first started doing videos, I did a, a painting stream. And I had 
a couple of fun things. And I had to learn really fast that certain music isn't allowed. So I had to find my own music. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a learning curve about this kind of stuff and how that all works. Yeah. So I absolutely think that, you know, you have to kind of think about it all in context. Um, but I'll provide a link to his channel because I think it's great. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we jump back in, we'll jump in with our outro. And we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We get takes us to our outro. We are out of here for the week. Um, next week on the show, we're going to try to talk to this guy from, um, um, I think the con is called, um, actually I don't know what it's called, but the event's called Wargasm, and it's um, it's a, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds funny, right? It's an apocalypse, it's an apocalypse style event, I think either in, up, I think it's near Canada actually. But Pablo sent me some notes about it. So we're going to try to talk to this convention organizer about his Apocalypse games. They're said to be some of the biggest in that area. Like, last year he had 100 players. This year he's going for two. Sweet. Um, So, huge events. And he said on top of that, one of the things that makes the game really fun and popular is that it's a timed game. So, your turns are timed. So, if you have a big horde army and you're not playing well, that's it. Like, if the turn runs out and you haven't moved... Sorry. I feel like with Apocalypse, you have to do that. Otherwise, your turns can yeah. take forever. Yeah. I've There's seen, some armies, like you said, I've seen a couple of Apocalypse games where guys will have, like, three or four hundred orc boys. Yeah. And, and just I'll just look at them go. Now, there's a place for that. I love that idea. But in an organized event, there's not a place for that. Yeah, no, like, you can't. Like, the whole point of that game is to, like, cram as many people into a hall as you can and see what happens. Well, I'd Which love to cool. hear his opinion on that. So yeah, hopefully we well, get him on the show. Well, on, at those events, you do see some of the custom uh, models that people bring, like the custom mm-hmm. Titan, uh, Emper- uh, Emperor-sized Titans. Mm-hmm. And these guys can be like four or five feet tall. Yeah. And you just think... We did, I did one about five years ago that was 48 inches, and he was absurd. Yeah, he was so crazy. big, I couldn't ship him. I had to drive him to the client. Well, yeah. <laughs> we met Hopefully at a halfway he point. Somewhat close by. Well, he was not. No? <laughs> he was no. like six hours away. Oh, my goodness. So we met at a halfway point, and I drove off. Gave him the client, gave him the model, took the money, drove home. So that was. Um, Which was that commissioned? Uh, not enough. No, no, no. <laughs> not, 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 I, I barely made materials back on that one. But this was six years ago when I was first getting started. If I was to do a commission like that today, it'd be very different, and I wouldn't sell it. I would, I would, I would sell it, but it would be thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Like back then, it was like I barely made materials, if at all. Uh, but it was fine. It, it, went, to a, it went to a happy home. Uh, yeah. A learning process. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Next time on the show, we will catch up with, hopefully, the Wargasm um, organizer. If you have people you'd like us to talk mm-hmm. to, then um, reach out to us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Be sure to check us out on our website, whitemetalgames.com. Check out Philip's work um, on his website at uh, uh, Brushwork Minis. Jonathan also has a web page, um, White Lightning Paint Commissions. It's a uh, it's, uh, Facebook page. Okay. Uh, White we'll Lightning we'll provide a link to that as yep. well, so you guys can take a look at his work. If you want to give anybody constructive criticism, please keep it constructive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate we, it. We, we would hope that that's the case. <laughs> um, until next time, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Pong with Brushwork Minis. Joplin, would you like to... Uh, and I'm Jonathan Sterock with White Lightning Paint Commissions. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, put your minis where your mouth is. Thank you.